This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 19. This is Writing Excuses, Religion and Ritual. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Mahatab. And we're going to be exploring how to write religion in fantasy and science fiction, specifically world-building religions. So my kind of first question for you is, why? Why do you approach using religion or not um, in your science fiction and fantasy stories? What's your, what's your motive? I always go back to Contact by Carl Sagan, where he makes the point that the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of human beings are religious to some degree. And science fiction as a genre was started in large part by atheists, and it tends to be very a-religious. But most people are not. And I like to kind of reflect that aspect of, of who we are. And whether that's science fiction or fantasy, that's just how the human brain works. We look for patterns and, and we have these things. And I think it's really interesting to explore new takes on it. You know, I don't have to look further than my own country or used to be India as far as why religion is so important because it is a very strong um, source of conflict. And if you have that in your story, I mean, you definitely have the conflict but it also helps you address uh, a character's actions and motivations because, you know, you have the two major, um, you know, religions, which is Hinduism and Islam in India. And those through the ages have caused so many riots, but it has also brought out the best in people and the worst in people. And I remember in, you know, the 1980s when I was just getting married, we couldn't even get someone to come to a civil marriage because of the riots in India. And that was because a masjid had been, um, you know, attacked and the whole city had pretty much shut down. So for me, just having grown up with that kind of experience, I know that religion could be something you know, people do identify themselves with it, but it can also be a fabulous source of conflict in your story and the way you can show your character, you know, whether they're good or bad or, you know, and make sure that they are shades of gray, not white or black. I think that the the trick for me in, in terms of building a religion that is not, uh, that is not just, you know, mapped onto an existing religion is to back all the way out of the word religion and talk about epistemology. How do we know things? Um, when you look at religions, when you look at spirituality, when you look at superstitions, when you look at suspicion, when you look at all of these things, uh, we believe a huge number of things absent personal evidence. We're taking other people's word for it. We're taking, uh, we're taking the word of people who we trust because of falsifiability and reproducibility in science, or people we trust because they are religious leaders whose faith has borne them up as examples in our lives. But these are epistemologies. These are ways in which we know things or ways in which we think we know things. And so when I start at that level and I ask myself, what is it that these these people believe, 
Why do they believe it? What are the evidences that they accept? Uh, James Sutter, on an episode we did at uh, Gen Con uh, several years ago, um, said that uh, religion in D&D was fascinating to him because, you know, you got to ask the question, how is religion different when you can see your God? When the gods can make an appearance, can power your spells, are there atheists in the D&D universe? The answer is yes. Um, and But it's, it's fascinating to look at it from the epistemological, did I pronounce that correctly, mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, because when I start there, I end up in far more interesting places than if I try and map all my aliens, these are going to be my Catholic aliens, and these are going to be my Protestant aliens. And Robert Jordan um, said when people were asking him about religion and his stories, he kind of took an interesting tactic because um, in The Wheel of Time, he it's kind of one of these things. You can directly see that evil is real, and you can directly see that there is a power and a force um, you know, religiously opposing it. And he actually thought that would in some ways, destroy religion, meaning there are no religions in there because there's n- you don't need to be told what God wants because God is there and around and you just, y- you can figure it out. Um, and you, you do, so there's actually no religion. There's just lots of spirituality where people are, you know, choosing their side or things like that, but there's no organized religion. And he, he thought that, you know, the presence of magic m- might lead people that direction. I've always thought that was an interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are building religions, how do you then specifically do it? As opposed to you said, don't. And if you didn't want to map onto um, a, a religion, now I'll take an aside here while you guys are thinking about that and say uh, one of my favorite religious fantasies or fantasies that deal with religion um, are the Durini books. Um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, by by Catherine Kurtz, and she has basically Catholicism, and she's Catholic, and so she created a fantastical version of Catholicism, and it is 100% Catholicism, um, and it works really well. So once in a while, mapping on like that, that's not a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the distinguishing factor there is the fact that uh, she herself, being Catholic, um, was able to create a religion and do it very realistically and with uh, treating it well that worked like Catholicism in a fantasy world. Um, but let's assume you don't want to do that. You want to create mm-hmm. wholesale a fantastical religion. What tips do you have? I actually love to use random generators online to give me <laughs> just enough bare bones to think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of how can I connect all those dots in a way that is really cool and makes sense? Okay. And so whenever I set out to do this for a fantasy or for a new science fiction society or whatever, I will I will find one of these random generators and go, okay, um, birthdays are really important, but they hate holidays and they think birds are a symbol of, of virtue. And okay, now how can I connect all those dots? And I find that it produces something that doesn't look like anything we have on Earth. Hmm. Kind of like playing scenes from a hat. Yeah, um, exactly. Kind of like yeah. the improv games mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, audience, give me three things and I will create a religion out of them. I did uh, for the uh, the four-armed, uh, 12-fingered race of aliens in the Schlock Mercenary universe, I decided to write out their numbering system 
based on how they would count on their hands and what the names for their numbers would be. Uh, and what I ended up with uh, from 1 to 12 was finger, feet, hand, arms, head, self, crest, thing, strike, secret, magic, power uh, were the names of their numbers. And then from there, I looked at, well, when we name those things, finger, uh, when you have the number one, what does it represent? Well, it represents touching things. Feet represents motion. Uh, And this, so I, I ended up with this numerology, if you will, for what numbers meant that's independent from a religion. But now, if I want to say something that sounds spiritual for them, I can use number words and numbers and immediately come up with, uh, you know, uh, crest, grasp, movement, uh, you know, some sort of word that means, you know, my soul and the embrace and the walking. And, and it has meaning that it has meaning that grew kind of organically out of me building a numbering system and it feels real. It just feels real now when I look at the spreadsheet. When I write some of these <laughs> names down, I'm like, that's a that's a Pefmatoko. That's a real name. I know what those numbers, I know what those numbers mean. It grew out of a thing. And I mean that that this kind of crosses into into Conlang a lot, but when you look at the way our religions have affected our languages, working at it from a linguistic standpoint is not wrong. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Mahatab, you've got a book for us this week. Yes, I do. Um, I would love to recommend The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. And it's set in the Republic of Gilead, which is basically a theocratic government. And it starts out with um, women being denied all kinds of rights. They are subject to, I mean, it's it's entirely a male-dominated society. And the reproduction rates in that day and age is, are very low. So all the women who are of childbearing age are basically attached to each household and they are just the vessels or reproduction. So it's basically a ritual rape uh, time and time again. But the most terrifying part of that is uh, the husband and the wife and the handmaid, uh, who is basically a slave or just a reproductive organ, are all there in the same room and they have to go through this. The woman has absolutely no rights. Um, and it's it's a terrifying look at what society could uh, could could get to if if something like that happened. So, uh, and again, I will not end uh, give give away the ending, but you have this entire story follows Offred, which is the handmaid, and it's actually uh, interesting. It's off Fred. I mean, you you read it as off Fred, but it is because she belongs to the command of Fred. So she is she is his possession. And it's it's just amazing. And then, of course, there is a rebellion and how, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's brilliant. It's chilling. It's terrifying. And it's thought provoking. So handmade steel. It has sold very, very well. And you should probably read it rather than watching the Netflix yes, series. Yes, I agree. Read it. <laughs> read it. Yeah. So one of the questions I get asked most, which I find very interesting, is people are fascinated by my own, the fact that I am religious and writing about fantastical religions. Um, and so people ask me a lot, how does my faith or things I believe or don't believe, how does that influence how I approach my writing? So I'm actually going to turn that to all of you. How do your own beliefs or lack of belief system or the way you interface with religion, how has that affected the way that you have created religions, or the way you have written about them? You know, I haven't really had the opportunity to create a religion in a book yet, but I'm just thinking about how I would approach it. And my own religion, which is Zoroastrianism, is quite unique in the sense that, you know, you've got some pretty unusual customs. And I'll tell you, one of them is, you know, when we die, we don't believe in the body being burnt or cremated because it means that you're polluting the earth. So we are actually, the dead bodies are taken up to a a tower of silence and fed to the vultures because that's also an act of generosity. Um, there is another one of, you know, a coming of age ceremony, which happens in, you know, like an initiation into the faith, which happens in a lot of religions. But the unusual thing that happens in Zoroastrianism, and at least it used to happen in India, I, I went through that, is as part of the ceremony, you have to drink the urine of a consecrated bull, which is the, I'm sure none of you all have ever heard of something like that. It's just a sip. But you have to, and then of course you have sugar right after that, so you don't end up sobbing at you know seven <laughs> years old. You know that's when you go through this. So for me, if I had to build it, there are what I would do is 
I just researched the existing uh, religions, the most weird and unusual practices, and then build on that, change it around, but do it in a in a way that's where you can't identify where it came from, because of course you've got to be respectful, and you know you, you can't end up offending anyone. But there is so much of weirdness already there. I take that as a jumping point kind of thing to go into, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, I, that's what I would do. I, if my own uh, religion, and this is this is a point where uh, the <laughs> the lack of diversity <laughs> in the Brandon Dan Howard uh, trifecta uh, rears its ugly Mormon head. Um, hey, I come uh, from the Nebraska <laughs> Mormons. Um, and we're completely different. You know, Absolutely, I'm, I'm, the, the Florida Mormons yes. are actually more like the Nebraska Mormons mm. than than we are the the Utah Mormons, like Dan. Um, if if I've learned anything, or if my if my my uh, if my membership in my church, if my belief systems have colored my fiction at all, it's been that I try and treat the uh, epistemologies that are absent tangible evidence, belief systems that have non-falsifiable elements in them. You can't prove it with science. I try and treat those respectfully um, because we all have those. There are day traders who can look at the numbers and prove or disprove however they want, but they will still wear the lucky socks. And, okay, yes, I'm conflating superstition and religion, and for some people that that might look wrong, but that is still a belief that influences our behavior, and I have respect for those things. The one place in my fiction where I will make people the butt of jokes, where I will, where I will call it out, is when someone is inconsistent enough that you can tell that they are lying to themselves— in order to uh, in order to forward some sort of an agenda, that's the point at which I will draw the line. But it's not because they're religious; it's because there's a measure of dishonesty that that transcends it. That, I used a lot of that's great, weasel that's good. big words mm-hmm. there. That's Sorry. awesome. Um, the way that I find my own kind of personal religious beliefs and customs bleeding into my writing is for. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it is very difficult to be Mormon without this constant cultural participation. And that's true of many religions, but it is it is also true of, of mine. And so when I am defining what a religion is, it really is kind of based around what they do, what they interact. It's not you know, kind of the you only go to church on Christmas and Easter kind of a church that I end up creating when I create a church for a book. It's this is how I live my life and this is how I am different than other people because that's my own experience with religion. Excellent. Um, We are out of time. Dan, you have some homework for us, which is an unusual homework. Yes, it is. We've been talking about a lot of religions and what we would like you to do is take this opportunity to go learn about a real-world religion, whether or not you are yourself a religious person, go find um, a religious service, a worship service or something like that from a church or a religion that is not yours, whether that is a different kind of Christianity or a different kind of, you know, whatever. 
or, or wildly different, that you're Muslim and you're going to go to a Jewish temple. Whatever it is, just go, see what it is, see how it's different, see how it's the same, and have this experience of uh, just seeing how people other than you uh, carry out their religion. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.